Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Hello, and welcome to the SUFU podcast. I'm your host, Rena Malik, Assistant Professor of Surgery in the Division of Urology at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Today, I'm here with Dr. Kyle Richards, who's the advisor to the AUA Relative Value Scale Update Committee, which is known as the RUC, and he's also Assistant Professor at the Department of Urology in the University of Wisconsin. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Malik. So, can you tell our listeners exactly what the RUC is? Yeah, so the, so the RUC is, uh, the way I think of the RUC is there's really two components to the RUC. There's the RUC itself, um, which, as you mentioned, stands for the RVU Update Committee, and then there are advisors uh, to the RUC. And the, what the RUC does uh, is it makes uh, recommendations to CMS uh, in regards to uh, RVU uh, or value for physician work. Just to give you a little bit of a historical perspective, the RUC's been around for quite some time. In fact, the RUC uh, was formed by the American Medical Association in uh, 1991. The RUC itself is actually staffed by the American Medical Association and is an independent expert panel. And, and as I mentioned, they provide annual physician RVU update recommendations to Medicare. The RUC itself is, is composed of Really, the entirety of the field of medicine has 31 members, of which 28 are voting. And the American Urologic Association has one seat on the RUC. Uh, Dr. Norm Smith is currently the RUC member for the uh, AUA. Um, now, the second part, as I mentioned, is the advisory uh, committees. And in the AUA, myself and uh, Dr. Tom Turk from Loyola, are the two AUA advisors to the RUC. The RUC members themselves are uh, really supposed to exercise their individual judgment and not advocate for their given specialty society, whereas the advisory uh, committee, myself and Dr. Turk, when we present in front of the RUC, we are advocates for all of urology when we're presenting based on a, a certain code or CPT code. Great. So I know that there's a, a RUC survey. What exactly is that, and why and how should our members fill those out? Yeah, so the, the, the RUC survey is a big part of the RUC process, and um, what, what the RUC survey does is it gives us data that we can then use when we're uh, presenting in front of the RUC. So the American Urologic Association uh, will send out random surveys to its membership. And if you ever receive a survey as, a, as an AUA member, uh, you should strongly consider filling it out uh, because if a new code is up for review, we use the data collected from the survey to make our compelling arguments in front of the rock. So it's really important that uh, we increase the number of surveys that are completed because historically the response rate is not very good, which is understandable because we all get lots of emails and lots of survey requests, but this is a survey that's really important because if we have more accurate data, a larger number of 
of urologists filling out the survey, then uh, the survey becomes more robust, the data is much better, and it, it'll allow us uh, to make a more compelling argument uh, in front of a RUC. So how does the RUC decide exactly which CPT codes to survey and how, who to survey? Well, that's a good question. And there, the RUC has, over the years, since being formed in 1991, has developed uh, a series of uh, subcommittees and ways of screening certain codes. Certainly uh, CMS or Medicare can request to have a, have a uh, CPT code uh, looked at or surveyed. Uh, but uh, there are several streams that uh, that they that they look at uh, some some involving utilization so certain procedures uh, that are uh, high uh, utilization or high Medicare expenditures uh, could be flagged for uh, review. Uh, but there's a there's a series of of uh, processes that the RUC has for identifying codes. Also, if there's any new procedures, so as uh, an example, when robotic uh, prostatectomy. Came out there. There was a new CPT code because of that, and, and once, uh, once, it, once there are new CPT codes that come out because of new or emerging technologies, those oftentimes will, will be surveyed uh, so that we can accurately value the, the physician work. So, yeah, you mentioned physician work. How exactly is that determined based on based on what components? So the the actual I think you're asking how how what goes into the RVU. Yes. Uh, so there's um, there's a few. There's uh, several components to the RVU. There's a, a physician work, which is essentially based on the uh, the time required to perform a certain service. Also, technical skill, judgment, mental and physical effort, and that makes up about fifty percent of the uh, payment for the RVU. Another big component, though, is practice expense, and the practice expense it makes up about forty five percent. Of the overall RVU, and that takes into account your clinical staff, medical supplies, uh, and uh, and then the third component is professional liability insurance or malpractice, which makes up about four percent of the total RVU. And then when you add that all up, you can you can uh, uh, there's actually a geographical practice cost index based on where you live in the country, and then CMS has a conversion factor which. In, in 2018, was uh, just under $36 per RVU. So you get your total RVUs, multiply that by $36, or give, give or take, and, and then that's where the payment actually gets generated. Okay, that's, that's great. So, so that's kind of how the re- so the results of this the survey that's distributed and what eventually goes that helps you determine what how you're going to present to the RUC, and then ultimately the RUC decides how to. Uh, what RVU to assign to a certain CPT code. Is that correct? Yeah, so the survey, if you fill out a survey, they will ask you um, one of the things that they'll, um, just to give you some more granularity about the actual survey, um, they, there's a few things that, that they'll ask. So there's a typical vignette um, that basically describes the clinical scenario. So the first step will be to sort of review the code descriptor in the vignette. Um, and the second step then is uh, you have to fill out some introductory uh, introductory information, contact information, the results of the survey are anonymous. Um, and the third part to filling out a survey is there's a, a reference procedure that you identify. So 
uh, there's a list of reference codes that that uh, that will provide, and then you have to select one as a comparison for the survey that you feel is most similar in time and work to the new or revised code, uh, and then. Uh, a key component of the survey then is estimating your time. So they're going to ask you to use that vignette and the description to estimate your the time it takes you personally to perform that given procedure. When you're doing this, there's three distinct service periods. There's the period prior, so we call it pre-service. Then there's, there's you oftentimes do some work prior to uh, that procedure. And there's work actually from skin to skin doing the procedure. And then there's work afterwards called post-service. That's when you're writing prescriptions, dictating your operative notes. So you take that all into account to estimate the time it takes you to do that work. Uh, so a lot of uh, uh, what we, a lot of the data we have is based on uh, what you estimate uh, from a time, how long it takes you to do these tasks. So the time that we estimate on the survey should include pre, intra, and post-service. That's right. And, and the survey will walk you through each of those periods of time. So they'll say uh, uh, specifically uh, during the pre-service period of time, which is the time that includes, uh, uh, it's, the, it's basically the time from the day before the procedure until the actual incision. So that could be hospital admission workup, pre-op eval. I think that includes dressing changing into scrubs, waiting, positioning. So you have to estimate those times. And what we what we ask is is for you to be honest uh, and as accurate as possible. Uh, we don't want uh, uh, and, and everybody uh, operates at different paces. So what what is typical for you for the typical patient, not the extreme patient, not the extremely complex patient, or really straightforward, but the, in a typical patient. How long does it take you to do these uh, tasks? And the survey will walk you through each of these steps. So while the survey can be, you know, a little bit time-consuming, it really is our best way of getting really good data that we can then come back to the to, to the table and present to the rock. Great. Uh, and then that obviously ultimately impacts whatever the RVU decision impacts reimbursement, Medicare reimbursement. Exactly. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, RVUs are directly tied towards. Uh, reimbursement or payment from Medicare. So that's why it's so important that these surveys uh, get completed accurately and by as many people that perform the procedure as possible so that we can get more robust uh, data uh, from more more urologists. Yeah, that's great. So do you, do you think there's any limitations to the current methodology that the RUC is using to determine RVU reimbursement? There are certainly some that have come up uh with time and certainly, you know, one limitation is just getting people to fill out the survey because uh, that's where we get all our data from. Uh, also, uh, in my opinion, uh, we don't often, uh, you know, this, this sort of system doesn't necessarily look at, at quality uh, or outcomes. So I think that's something that's been talked about um, in, in uh, recent time uh, about reimbursing uh, based on uh, quality of care delivered uh, and outcomes uh, as opposed to uh, this RPU-based system. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see any actual changes to this process in the foreseeable future, or do you know of anything that's ongoing, or you know, in addition to the quality metrics, anything else? Yeah, I, I think you know the system's been around since uh, the early 90s, uh, and uh, the AMA has uh, really used their First Amendment rights to petition the government uh, to 
uh, being uh, to form this committee. Um, over the years, the uh, CMS has accepted somewhere in the 90% range of the RUC recommendations, so they don't have to accept the rec recommendations of RUC, but just, uh, historically it's been about 90%. But yeah, it's, it's a great question. Will, will the RUC, how long will the RUC be around? Will this system change in the future? Uh, I'd say stay tuned uh, because you just don't, uh, it's hard to say, but I, I do think that I wouldn't be surprised in our career if we do see some significant changes to, you know, go more towards a quality or outcome-based system, but that's just me, you know, thinking ahead. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I mean, it sounds like these surveys are really, really important, so when you get them, just fill them out as best you can. Um, take the time, because obviously this is extremely valuable to uh, what we do as urologists and how we get uh, how we get valued. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Sufu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SufuWord real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch and be sure to check us out on our website www.sufu.org